Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Join me tonight in the book of Isaiah. And uh, we want to continue with this that we've been on, What the Spirit Says. And uh, I think this is the fifth part of this, the fifth Wednesday that we've been on this. And uh, where, where I received this name or title, if you will, uh, I was talking to a person one day about some things. And, uh, uh, you know, you got to be careful who you talk to, <laughs> right? And uh, uh, I told my wife one day about somebody, I said, you know, remind me not to ask them how they're doing anymore, right? Because, because you know, it, for the next 10 minutes, I was told how bad things are. And, <laughs> but I, I was talking to this person, and, and it's, not a, uh, it's not a knock against them, but uh, they they begin to tell me some things that 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 they had heard was going on or going to go on, and right here I don't I didn't hear a voice right here, I heard these words. What does the spirit say? What has the spirit said? Well, I begin to rehearse the things that the spirit has said to us as a body, and how the focus has consistently been on the harvest, uh, the awakening. Uh, the babies that are coming, those that, that don't know the things of God. And we're seeing that. We're starting to see it even, even more. Uh, so that has to be your focus. You know, in 1986, uh, if, if you think about this, 1986, David Wilkerson uh, uh, prophesied, and he said there was an uh, uh, event. And if I remember, he said like a plague that was going to hit America, and he said it's going to shut down the bars and the churches and it will bring New York City to its knees. 1986, he prophesied that. Well, who would have ever thought of anything hitting America that would bring the bars and the churches, close them, and bring New York City to its knees? But he said something. He said, but what follows that will be a great awakening. He said, because pastors will preach repentance from the pulpit. They'll preach the word of God stronger than they ever have. Well, what we got to focus on then is the awakening, right? The Lord said something to us Sunday in prayer in the Kansas location, and I just, I, I, I went off in the spirit, and it was one of those, those things, you can't plan it, and you can't decide when it's going to happen, but I began to see the United States, and I saw the northern part of the United States, and what I mean by that is north of Kansas, and uh, that's just what I saw, and I saw a light start. And the Lord said, this is the great awakening. And I saw it come down and it went down through Oklahoma and it went into Texas and it went down to Dallas. Now, if you've been watching uh, uh, BVOVN, well, it used to be BVOVN, Victory Network, the tent meetings that are going on, the, I, I, I had no concept of what they were saying till today when I got home from work and I looked at the banner on the platform 
and it's, it talked about the great awakening, that they're, that they're there for the great awakening. Well, the Lord showed me that, and then he showed me that same light go from Dallas on a, on a kind of a downward trajectory into Arkansas and come to Little Rock. It's coming. It's coming. It, it's, wherever a move of God was originally birthed, eventually a move of God will revisit that place. And, and, and in, in 1914, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, the, the original members of the Assembly of God met and formed that denomination all those years ago. There was a move of God on. And so I'm saying all that not to just give us a history lesson or talk about uh, 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 what I'm seeing in the Spirit, to say that's got to be our focus. Your focus is this. Focus means a clear definition or a center of interest. A clear definition or a center of interest. When we're focused on something, it's the center of our interest. All right? Or the center of our activity. When I'm focused on something, that's the center of my interest or the center of my activity. Now, the enemy, one of the main tactics of the enemy is to break your focus. That's his desire is to break your focus. What God has said to you will surely come to pass if you can maintain your focus. But if your focus can be broken or is easily broken, then the enemy can get you off track. The Lord told Pastor Caldwell when he started Agape Church, he said, if, he said, he said two things to him. He said, if you can build a building and you can, uh, or actually he said, first of all, if you can keep this church strife-free and avoid church splits, and build a building, you can take a city. But you got to stay focused. You have to stay focused. And this is so important because everyone in here can focus. Everyone in here, I'm looking at every person in here, you are so led by the Spirit. You are so full of the Spirit of God. You're led by the Spirit of God. You are mature and maturing believers. Amen? And if you can maintain your focus, the enemy can't stop you. But I have to be able to maintain my focus. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6. Isaiah 50 and verse 6. Of course, this is a, a uh, uh, prophetic scripture concerning Jesus. But he says something. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore, have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Well, we read that, and, and the first thing that comes up is, well, what does it mean, what does it mean, set his face like a flint? What does that mean? Because, uh, you know, was it just he, he was determined, or what does it mean? Well, we get a little closer insight into this in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 3. And if I can say this while you're going over there, the, the little distractions, remember in the book of the Song of Solomon, remember what it says? He said, catch ye the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. Right? Now, now notice, they're not a threat except to spoil in the vine. The, the things that come up, there, there are things that come up in people's lives and they're just distractions. 
It's like, I don't know if you've ever been, well, mainly when you're sitting outside or you may even be sitting in your house and a, and a fly or a bug or a gnat or something starts buzzing around your head. Well, it's, they can't hurt you. They're, they're not going to cause any physical harm. They're just a distraction. You're trying to hold a conversation and you're, you're doing this or you're trying to watch something and you're doing this. It's, it's distracting to the point that you're looking for something to swat that fly with. Right? The enemy does not have to bring big things to get us distracted. He just has to bring little things on a consistent basis to grab distraction. Amen. And I've got to understand and comprehend when what I'm dealing with is the enemy trying to distract me or something else. Amen. In Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 7, he says concerning the house of Israel, but the house of Israel will not hearken to you. I often laugh. How would you like to have been Ezekiel? He said, I'm going to send you to the house of Israel. And then he tells them, but they're not going to listen to you. <laughs> Amen. For they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your forehead strong against their forehead. One translation says, I've made you just as hard-headed as they are. As an adamant harder than flint have I made your forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. The Amplified Bible says, like an adamant harder than flint or a diamond point have I made your forehead. So Ezekiel was told by God he was going to harden his face, meaning give him more of a focus than the rebellion of Israel. What I want you to do, Ezekiel, I'm going to give you a focus that's stronger than their rebellion. The focus that you can get from the Spirit is stronger and more intense than anything you can be facing. People of great faith are people of great focus. I have to stay focused for my faith to work correctly. Because faith requires focus. Abraham did not become the father of many nations until he became completely focused on what God promised him. When he became focused, faith showed up. Hallelujah. Focus will give you a harder face. It'll give you a determination that's harder than the temptation. The temptation to do whatever, to doubt, to, to fear, to quit, to back off. All right? Focus will give me a harder face than that. And it'll be harder than the test, the trial, the, the, the obstacle that you'll face. See, that's what the Spirit is saying is stay focused. Stay focused. Yeah, but they said, but that's when, when the disciples were sitting with Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, He said, who do men say that I am? 
And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, Eli Elisha, uh, one of the prophets. And he said, okay, but who do you say I am? There was, there was one out of those 12 that heard from the Spirit. Right? We'll talk about him in just a minute. But then the very next verse, the very next part of that conversation, he lost his focus. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. A couple sentences later, he lost his focus. Amen. What did the Spirit say? What has the Spirit said? Yeah, but they're saying this, but what did the Spirit say? Something's got to have your focus. Because James said a double-minded man is unstable in everything. If you're trying to focus here and you're trying to focus here, you're unstable in everything that you do. That's what James said. He said he's unstable in everything. So something's got to have your focus. And don't mistake focus for denial. Focus is not denial, but focus is keeping your attention, like we said, on a center of interest. Amen. When you set your face on something, the Holy Spirit will help you set your face like a flint and to become harder than the obstacle that you'll face so you won't lose focus. So I won't lose focus. Isaiah said in, in the Amplified Bible, Isaiah talked about the things that he faced and the challenges that he, he went through. And he said, I will harden you to difficulty. Harden you to difficulty. Man, there are, th there are things that when I started in, in, uh, first started in the ministry, oh my goodness, they were just, oh my, my Lord. I mean, it could, it, I look back on it now after all these years in ministry, and I think I was really concerned about that. I mean, that, that is not an issue at all in reality. It's all about focus. I, I, I uh, uh, help pastors as much as I can. And uh, one thing that, that, that uh, pastors deal with is people leaving their churches from time to time. Well, that happens, and, and nobody likes it, but it happens from time to time. And uh, I was talking to a pastor one time, and they were just really having a hard time with it. And finally I said, so what are you going to do? I mean, they left your church. What, what are you going to do? You've you got to keep going. You've still got sheep that you've got to take care of. Somebody's got to be focused. The sheep might be looking at who left and who did this and who did that. You're the shepherd. You've got to maintain your focus. Yeah, but you know, it just, it hurts so bad. It, it may hurt, but you, the Bible tells you that your focus is to feed the flock of God that's among you. Right? Amen. The Holy Spirit will help you become harder than that, than the obstacle that you're facing. So you won't lose focus. In uh, Matthew 16, The devil cannot ever take from you what you won't lose your focus on. He just can't. In uh, Matthew 16, verse 21, 
It says, from that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders, chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this will not be unto you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are, notice this, an offense to me. Why? Because you don't savor the things that be of God, but those that be of men. One translation says, Jesus turned around and said to Peter, Get away from me, Satan. You are an obstacle in my way, because these thoughts of yours are men's thoughts and not God's. Now think about that. Other translations say that Peter told him to pity yourself or take care for yourself, Lord. And this is one of the strongest rebukes you see from Jesus towards his disciples. Probably the strongest. And he didn't wait. Peter began to say this and he turned on him immediately and said, Get behind me, Satan. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, he wasn't talking to Peter. The original Greek says, talking to Peter and Satan. Peter was being used by the devil to do what? Get Jesus' focus. Amen. Jesus answered this way because he was focused. He was focused on two things, on the cross and on the throne. I got to go to the cross so I can go to the throne, so I can redeem mankind. Jesus was completely focused on what he had to do. Peter was not focused on what Jesus had said. Amen. So anything that tries to break your focus is an offense. And it's not to be treated lightly. If it's after your focus, it's after what God wants to do in your life, in your family's life, in the life of a church. If he's after your focus, he's trying to take something from you. And, and it's up to us to guard that focus. Jesus, Jesus was the most adamant about the things that God had asked him to do. My father works, so I'm going to work. Why are you healing on the Sabbath? My father works, so I'm going to work. You got a devil. If you believe the truth, you would hear me. Because I only say those things my father speaks. But because you don't know the truth, you won't listen to me. Right? See, he was completely focused on what God wanted him to do. And what God has said is coming to a church, coming to a nation, coming to your family. That's what God intends to do. That is what deserves my focus. Everything else doesn't deserve your focus. Focus is too valuable to be wasted on things that are of no value. Just too valuable. I was talking to a, a gentleman one time, and, and I told him, I said, uh, uh, you have too much going for you to sit around all day and waste your intellect on the brain candy that you're eating. 
because he was just sitting around all day in uh, uh, ingesting conspiracy theories and, and all these things that were going on. And it, it had him distracted. Here's the thing about distractions. You can become distracted and not even know it. Because a distraction is anything that takes you away from the focus that God gave you. Are you following me? Amen. Do, do you see that? And the enemy will get you off putting out fires and he's got your focus. Amen. Well, what about that over there? Let it burn. This is my focus. <coughs> Hallelujah. I, I got to treat it as an offense. Notice what he said. What you're saying is offensive to me. Right? Because, again, those thoughts are yours, are men thought, men's thoughts, and not God's. What did the Spirit say? The Spirit said there's an awakening coming. The Spirit said the harvest of souls would be great. The Spirit said that God would show His grace to a group of people that had largely forgotten Him. But he would do it anyway. Right? That, that's the focus. What has God told you about this year? What has God spoke to you in your prayer time? That's what the Spirit's saying. That's what God wants you to focus on. Amen. When, when you watch anybody that receives at any time what God promised, they are a focused individual. Because it requires that. Amen. So anything that tries to break your focus cannot be treated lightly. You can't treat it lightly. And, and I'll talk to people at times, they'll say, well, Pastor, I just, I just feel distracted. You've you got to rein that in. You've got to grab a hold of that. Because, because that's, that's the tactic of the enemy. And, and it can be situations, circumstances, people, whatever. You name the issue. It, whatever it may be. Something that's trying to get your attention off of what God said to you. Right? The Lord said something to me not too long ago. And, uh, 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 you know, God will give you inside information. And that's so that you can pull it up out of your spirit and renew your mind with it. But uh, in any event, it was maybe two days after the Lord said what he said to me. And I got like three or four reports that, that just looked to be exactly opposite to what God said. Well, here's the thing. I knew I heard from God. You with me? I knew I heard from God. That's what the Spirit said. Now, this other now has to become an offense to me. Because if I give it my attention, right? Have you, have, you, have you ever seen somebody, or maybe you've been that person, you try to listen to two conversations at once? You can't do it. It's impossible to listen to two different conversations. You can hear two different conversations, but hearing is not focus. Listening is focus. Right? 
That's why somebody butts in, you go, this is an A-B conversation. See your way out of it. <laughs> right? Amen. <laughs> because I've, I've got to focus. And, and if, if you've raised, raised children uh, at any time, when they were small, especially when they were small and, and maybe when they were teenagers, uh, uh, there, there comes a time when you've got to set them down and go, listen, hey, listen to me. Look at me. You can turn TV off, right? Put that down. Listen to me. Why? I want your focus. I used to tell my kids when they were growing up, get your catchers on. Listen to me. I got something to say. Right? Amen. Well, that's what God's saying. He's saying, this is what I'm saying to you. This is what I'm telling you. That what is coming is great and grand and glorious. It needs your focus. Amen. In uh, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. If, listen, if you're going to be led by the Spirit, you've got to be focused. Because Jesus made a statement, and, and it's, a, it's a common scripture that's quoted. He said, my sheep know my voice. But then notice what the remainder of that verse is. Another they will not follow. Why? They know his voice, and they're focused on his voice. They won't follow another voice. Matthew 24 says that there would be so many deceiving things. Matthew 24, 24, there would be so many deceiving things coming on the world that if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. But the Greek says it's not possible. Why is it not possible? They have the spirit of truth in them, and they're focused. When you're focused, you can't be deceived. Amen. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, lay, let us, let us, let us, you see that? Let us lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run, let us run, do you see that? With patience. The race that is set before us. Looking where? Unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Then it says in verse 3, Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. The Amplified Bible says, Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. So notice this. We are to set aside whatever breaks our focus. That's our responsibility. Hallelujah. That's our responsibility. If it breaks my focus, I'm supposed to set it aside. Thank you, Jesus. I've got to do that. Let us, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Well, the context here, the great cloud of witnesses, is like a stadium full of people watching a race. A marathon. And he says, you can't run without your focus. And so whatever is distracting you, weighing you down, stopping, robbing you of your focus, you got to lay it aside so you can run with patience. The race that's set before you. 
Everybody has a race. Everybody has something that we're supposed to do for God on whatever level that it is. And it's going to require your focus, ever what it is. It's going to require that I lay some things aside and be patient and run the race. But I've got to be focused about it. Nobody under the sound of my voice, nobody watching online, nobody has another day, another minute, another hour, another second, another week, another month to not do what God wants you to do. I've got to begin somewhere to do it. And that starts with, okay, this is what God said to me. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on that, and I'm going to go get it done. Amen. My wife has said about me over the years, she, she, and she's told people in leaders' meetings and other things, she said, uh, and of course she calls me Philip, she said, Philip may not always have all the answers, but he's the single most focused man you'll ever meet in your life. Because I, I don't, listen, <laughs> I know where I was when God called me, right? I know what God wants to do. The thing about knowing God's voice is you know it's God's voice. Then you got to focus on it. You following me? But I have to lay some things aside. Distraction leads down the wrong path because it leads down the path of disobedience. It, lead, it leads down the path of disobedience. When, when, when you watch a person that gets into disobedience, they got distracted first. They lost their focus. And then they entered into that disobedience. They started doing something God didn't want them to do or, or something that God didn't tell them to do. And, and they, they, they entered into that disobedience through distraction. But when we stay focused on God and what He said, we become a magnet that draws everything that God promised to us. Because I'm staying focused on what God said. That's so important. Amen. Because when my focus is God and what He said, I'll receive what I need from Him. Because my focus is on Him and what He told me. So what did the Spirit say to you? What did God say? You know, I've had people come and talk to me and they say, Well, Pastor, you know, uh, I know the Lord said this to me, but this. And I will always say this, but what did God say? Now, I, I'm not treating that lightly. You're like, well, of course. I'm, I'm just saying, when you're faced with a situation and it seems like things are going opposite to what God said, what did God say? You know, Titus chapter 1 says, God who cannot lie. Is that right? Re re remember in the book of Numbers, it said, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, shall he not do it? Has he spoken it, will he not make it good? Right? So did God tell you something? People will say yes, but I don't see it yet. The key and operative word is yet. If you stay focused, you will. It will all come to pass. Yeah, but when? That's irrelevant. When is irrelevant. It's that it comes to pass. See, you can get so focused on when you get distracted. Because you get focused on when, you're going to start trying to take shortcuts. 
you're going to start trying to make it happen for yourself because you're focused on the win. Your job, keep both hands on the wheel and keep driving. That's your job because you're going to get there. If you leave Little Rock, Arkansas to drive to Lenexa, Kansas, it is going to take you, if you drive reasonable, if you're a reasonable person, it's going to take you six hours. I have done it in five and a half because I had to get to a, a, a church member. Their, their wife had passed away, and I needed to get to be with them. But the point that I'm making, it, so it doesn't do you any good to get distracted and frustrated because, oh, six hours. Right, six hours. And it's, it's going to take six hours, right? That, that's, that's, uh, that's about two of Brother Copeland's sermons. And so <laughs> you, can, you can be there in six hours, right? And an adult knows that. You know, but a child might say several times, you know, are we there yet? Are we almost there? Or whatever the case may be, because they're, they're focused on when. 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 What's the Bible say inherits the promises? Faith and patience. Patience has been described as faith over a real long period of time. But patience is also the ability to focus for a long period of time. If I can, if I can be patient and maintain my focus, I will get there. And I'll get there shorter than I think I'm going to get there because focused on when, again, it causes me to begin to take steps that I wouldn't normally take because I'm in a hurry. Amen. What, what, I, what I hurry to get, if, if, if I'm in a hurry to get something, the Lord told me one time, He said, uh, he, said uh, he gave me six things uh, about uh, being successful in ministry. And one of the things that He said to me was this. He said, uh, he said, never get in a hurry. Because when you get in a hurry, you cut corners. Now that may sound simplistic. But if you're always in a hurry, what are you focused on? Being in a hurry. Right? How do people get into problems? Getting in a hurry. Oh, I'm in a hurry. <laughs> Trying to get around somebody, right? And isn't it funny? You know, they'll honk their horn and, and zoom around you, and the guy in front of them will hit their brakes. You know, or they'll race around you, and they get up to the, to, the, to the traffic light, you know, and you pull up, and you both got there at the same time. But they're in a hurry. Right? They just burned two more gallons of fuel than you did and ran some rubber off the tires, and... They're in a hurry. Right? When is irrelevant. Brother Hagin said this. He said, if you're willing to stand forever, you won't have to stand very long. But I got to be in it for the long haul. Remember Ephesians 6? Having done all to stand, stand. The scripture in the Greek is actually this, having overcome all stand. Well, there's going to come a standing. Standing requires focus. Hallelujah. Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, 
We talked about this some over the offering. And of course, we'll look at verse 33, Matthew 6 and verse 33. Well, you're going there, you know, uh, in, uh, at the Kansas location, the town the Kansas location is in, it was much smaller than, than uh, uh, it is now when we first went there. And uh, I watched, not, well, it's been in the, the time frame that we've been there, but not, not recently. Uh, probably the first 10 years that we pastored there, I, I watched, I know, four churches start. And none of them are in existence today. And, you know, when you get to looking at it, no focus. If you're going to pastor any group of people long-term successfully, you got to stay focused, right? You can't allow the ups and the downs to move you away from your focus. I, I would talk to uh, some of the pastors, were friends of mine, and I would talk to them, and, and they would tell me the problems and the issues and the financial issues and the this and the that. That was their focus. You can't focus on the problem and focus on the answer at the same time. You can't hold on to the problem and hold on to the answer at the same time. You got to let one of them go. Right? I, I laugh because I'll watch Lily. She'll have her hands full of something and there'll be something else she wants. And it's like, what do I put down? I don't want to put nothing down. So you know what she says? Poppy, pick that up for me. Right? Well, the, 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 the issue is you can't hold on to, oh my gosh, everything is horrible. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Nothing's going right. What are we going to do? This is the worst of times. And a great awakening is coming. The harvest of souls is great. This is the year of expectation, manifestation, transformation. If I hang on to the word, I'll see a manifestation of the word like I never had before. Can't do both of those. Yeah, but it is bad. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely zero. Nothing. Has nothing to do with it. Because what God said trumps everything... <laughs> Trumps everything that you may be seeing. Right? Hallelujah. Pun intended. It overcomes it. It, 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 it overcomes what I may be seeing. You, you have no chance of the victory that you desire if you lose your focus. Matthew 6 and 33, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things would be added to you. So notice this. The Amplified Bible says, Seek, aim at, and strive after first of all the kingdom. Notice that. Seek and aim at. Remember what focus is. It is the center of our interest or the center of our activity. And so he says, That's what I'm seeking that's what I'm aiming at. That's what I'm striving after. The kingdom. Right? What God has said. The English version says, 
Instead, be concerned about everything. Instead, be concerned above everything else, his kingdom. See, that's focus. There's a time to be emphatic and focused. There's a time to be emphatic and focused. Because God's kingdom and what God said alone should be our focus. That's so important. Because we quote the scripture. He said, he said there, seek first the kingdom. When you seek, you're looking. When you seek, you're looking. And then I have to make God and what God said my focus. When we talk about making something your focus, making implies I have the revelation and I need to make it the center of my life. When uh, I've talked before about when Pastor Michelle and I got a hold of the Word of God, the, the biggest challenge for us was financial. Because, uh, you know, I was raised in a healing environment. That was just part and parcel of what we believed. But, you know, we, 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 I came from the classic Pentecostal uh, theology. And, you know, our mindset was in a lot of churches, uh, you know, that, that poverty somehow gave God honor. You know, that, uh, you know, uh, 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 we might be, uh, uh, you know, little, but we're poor and we're proud, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, might as well have sang that old Bill Anderson song, Po' Folks, you know. Uh, hallelujah. I just dated myself probably, but, right? In, in any event, that was the issue. That was the problem. And so it was, okay, how do I get God to meet my needs? Because I need everything. Well, I had to come to understand that and get a revelation that God had already done everything that he needed to do concerning my prosperity. It was up to me to lay aside that poverty mentality and up to me to lay aside a limited thinking and take the lid off of my capacity to receive. If you can take the lid, focus will cause you to remove the limits. All right? Every person that you know has limits. And they're either working to remove them or they've become satisfied with them. They've become comfortable with them. And to the, to the degree that you remove the limits is the degree that God can bring things into your life. Because it's not that God does not have the ability to bring abundance into a person's life. It's that that person has not sufficiently removed the limits to receive it. So important. And that comes by focus. When the Lord talked to Pastor Michelle and I many years ago, about coming out of debt. And I've talked about this uh, uh, over the years. Uh, we added up all of our debt. And at that time, this was, this was many years ago, we were 220 some odd thousand dollars in debt. And the Lord said, I, I, I want you to come out of debt. I want you to get out of this quagmire that you're in. Well, immediately that was going to take focus. And we did everything that we knew to do in the natural. And man, we sold things. We sold a house, we let the car go, we did a lot of different things, and, and uh, 
uh, we got it down to $26,942 and some change. All right? Now, God helped us. I say we did, but God, of course, it was supernatural. And uh, I've told this story before. I was at the KCM Minister's Conference, and uh, we got back from the Minister's Conference, and a guy texted me. I walked in the church first day back, and a guy texted me, and here was his question. How much money do you need? I texted him back $26,942 and whatever the change was. Hmm. He brought me $27,000 cash that night. Brought out debt. But, but listen, that only took nine months. $200,000 of debt gone in nine months. I still don't know how God did it, but He did it. But it took focus. We Listen, there, there was no eating out. There was no ordering pizza. There was no, right? It was beans and rice, rice and beans, right? beans and rice. Right? Because, because, because we, 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 we got a plan here. Now, but God was teaching me something. He was teaching me focus. Are you following me? And so, when, when, when we did that, it lifted a limit. And, and I've learned over the years, if I can help you with this, I've learned to keep pushing the limits. Don't ever let the limits start encroaching around you again. Because the, 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 easiest thing to, to, the easiest thing to do is to drift back into familiarity and comfort. And that causes you to lose your focus. If you want to lose your focus, just go home and sit in the lazy boy and turn on the TV. Your focus is over. Right? Not because there's anything wrong with the lazy boy or the TV. But you get comfortable and you, you lose your focus. Or, right? Amen. What God has called you to do will always require at some level that you get out from under your comfort zone. All right, a comfort zone will cause me to lose my focus. And part of moving out from the comfort zone is, is to stay with what God said, even though the outward evidence looks contrary to what He promised you. Amen. Well, you know, the Lord said that my children were going to be saved. Well, they are. Who says they're not? Well, they're acting like the devil. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Right? I mean, that's a strong statement anyway, acting like the devil. But what does that have to do with anything? Well, they don't want to go to church. Well, what's that got to do with anything? They haven't wanted to go to church for years. So what has changed? Well, it's not getting any better. Says who? Who told you that? Who told you it wasn't getting any better? Wasn't God. Was it? In the words of my pastor, woohoo! Right? When am I helping y'all? I got about I got about five minutes. When when God came in the garden in the cool of the evening, right? And he was calling for Adam. And Adam and Eve had sewed fig leaves, sewed fig aprons, and covered themselves. What did God say? Who told you? Who told you that? Right? In other words, they believed wrong information. 
And God said, who told you that wrong information? When you start believing the wrong information, you get off your focus. What was Adam and Eve's focus? Don't eat of that tree. What did they do? The enemy brought a little distraction. God knows that in the day you eat that you'll become like him. And Eve looked at that tree in a way that she had never looked at it before. Wow, hmm. what happened? Got her distraction, got her focus. And got her focus on the tree is good for eating, good for food, a tree to make one wise. And she took of the fruit of the tree and offered it to her husband. Theologians have debated over the years, what was the fruit of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil? I know what it is. You know what it is? The knowledge of good and evil. That's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. People say, was it an apple? Was it a banana? It was the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't need to know that. Right? And the enemy came and made that look like such a big thing and he got their focus and destroyed them. Amen. So who told you that? Who told you you're not going to make it? Who told you you're not going to receive your healing or you're not going to walk in prosperity or your kids aren't going to be saved or you're not going to do what God told Who told you that? Because whoever it was, they're trying to get your focus. And I know who it was, but for the sake of preaching, you understand, it was the devil. When Pastor Michelle and I first got married, we had not been married very long. And uh, uh, of course, you know, I knew I had a, I've had a call of God on my life my whole life. I, I, don't, I don't remember any time in my life that I wasn't doing something for God. I mean, I, there's just not a time, maybe a couple years that I was kind of ignorant about things, but the, the point is, is I, I knew that, well, Mich- Michelle got born again, and immediately, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the anointing came on her life, and she was receiving prophecies from people, and, and about taking her testimony different places, and, you know, am I helping you all? God starts speaking to you, and He especially starts speaking to you publicly. There's going to be people that just can't handle it. And there'll be willing vessels of the enemy to try to get your focus. And, and, and so we were talking with a person one time, and I'll, I'll never forget, I, the venom that came out was just, it was actually a family member of mine. And uh, we were talking about the things that God, you know, wanted us to do. And, 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 and you know, we're in love, and, and we just got married. And, and, you know, I mean, you know how it was the first six months you were married. I mean, uh, my wife still can do no wrong, but she really could do no wrong then, baby. And, uh, um, right? But, you know, we were talking about the things that God wanted us to do. And, boy, all of a sudden this person just, just rose up. And they said, who do you think you are? Philip? (laughs) So I thought. And they said, here's what they said to me. They pointed their finger at me, and they said, you're the bottom of the barrel. You're the bottom of the barrel in this family. You always have been, and you always will be. That's That's what they said to me. You know, and I remember I just grabbed my wife's hand, and I said, honey, come on. Let's go do what God called us to do. That's how you deal with people that are trying to get your focus. You just go do what God told you to do. You just keep believing what God told you to believe. Because 
Understand that. We got to know what God said and focus on His Word. This is what He said. And I look back, and that was the turning point. That was the pivotal moment in our life. That was, that was many, many, many years before we ever started pastoring a church. But that was the pivotal moment in our life. Things will come along trying to get your focus, but understand something. God's also watching to see if they get it. And He doesn't keep giving assignments to people that give up their focus. That's important. Because if I can stay focused, I can accomplish what God wants me to accomplish. But if I'm constantly giving my focus up and allowing my mind to wander, you know your mind is your mind. And if you're constantly allowing it to wander, well, you know, but my mind, and I just, oh, I just, sometimes I can't help it, I just, no, 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 no. Nobody just thinks something. You chose to think on it. Not helping you all tonight? That, that's so important. That's so important. I remember one time, you got time for another story? You know, pastors have stories. And uh, I was at a conference with a friend of mine, we were, we were in Phoenix, Arizona at the Biltmore, and we were both part of this organization, and uh, we were there at a, at a conference. And the Lord had been talking to me, and he's, and he's still talking to me about it. I'm just trying to get all the, the uh, I had actually kind of planned it for this year, and then, of course, we've had some challenges. But the Lord dealt with me some years ago, and I'll just put it out there, that, you know, uh, growing churches, medium-sized churches, even small churches, they don't believe that they can do things in quality and excellence and make an imprint, all right? Well, the Lord told me years ago that you don't have to be big to do it right. And, uh, of course, big churches make a big impact, and we're, we're, we're going to be big. So if you don't like big churches, it, you get saved or leave. Uh, you know, I don't know, but <laughs> that's a joke. But... Uh, I, I, was, I was standing in line with my friend, and we were talking about some things, and, uh, and I began to share with him what the Lord was talking to me about because the Lord talked to me about, you know, uh, having a conference where, uh, you know, you talk about the AV and, and live stream and television ministry and all the things that we do and, uh, uh, on an on a excellent level. And uh, I shared it with him. Maybe I shouldn't have. The hindsight, I probably shouldn't have. But I'll never forget, a friend of mine now, and, and he looked at me and just very nonchalantly, he goes, but who would listen to you? Okay. You know? It's a good thing that in just in my natural self, I'm not a real confrontive person. You know, I mean, uh, uh, people see me under the anointing, they think I'm just this brash, bold, confrontive type person. When the anointing's there, yeah, but day to day, I hardly say a word. Because it's just, that's my personality. But the point is, again, what's that trying to do? Get your focus. Because if you start thinking on that, well, who would listen to me? Now, all those years ago, if I'd have thought that way, I wouldn't be here tonight. We wouldn't be doing what God wants us to do. Because the focus would have been taken. Remember what Jeremiah told God? He said, I'm a child. I can't speak. I'm just a child. What would God say? Don't say you're a child. Don't say that. 
Why? Focus on what I told you. Even when Jeremiah said, I don't want to prophesy no more. These are hard-headed people. They don't listen. Right? He said his word, what he told me to do, what he told me to focus on was like fire shut up in my bones. And I couldn't help it. And so, while it may seem elementary to keep your focus, what did the Spirit say? Because one day, you mark my words, and you do whatever you want to do with this. You mark my words. One day you're going to wake up and it's going to be like everything has changed. And the people that kept their focus are expecting that. One day you're going to look up and your kids are going to walk through the door in church. They're just going to be there. How do you know that? Because didn't, isn't that what God promised you? That your children would prophesy, that your sons and your daughters would prophesy? Right? He said, the promise is to you and to your children. Well, they don't want to get saved. That's too tough. The promise is to me. And then to my children. Right? Amen. One day that blessing that you've been waiting on is coming. It's going to show up. The Lord told me one time, He said, imagine going to bed in debt and waking up debt free. Imagine going to bed sick and waking up healed. He said, in the last days, that's how quick things are going to happen. Amen. If you stay focused. And I'll end with this. And I say this just by way of a testimony of telling you about the things of God. I said this to Pastor Michelle, and I've said it publicly. The first six months of 2020 has been, have been more prosperous than any year ever in our lives. The first six months. We still got five months to go. He said if you stand on and for the word in 2020, you'll see a manifestation of the word like you've never seen it before. That's what he said. There are people sitting on the sound of my voice. With everything that's went on in the world, you hadn't missed a lick. Right? Your bills are paid. Not only are your bills paid, you got abundance. More has come into your life. How did that happen? Manifestation of the Word. Stay focused. Amen. Is that okay? And don't let anything get your focus. I'll talk to people and say, I just, I hate going to the store. The way people act, come on, man. Just go get your groceries, whistle, be happy. Right? Yeah, but, you know, you got to wear a mask. Well, wear a mint. You'll be okay. Put a mint in before you put your mask on, you know, so you don't have mask breath. You'll be okay. Right? It'll be all right. Just, just don't, don't let it, right? See, it's after focus. I went, I went, and that guy wouldn't even stand next to me. Well, what do you think? They're, they're, the focus is if they get close to you, they might die. I mean, I'm not making light of it, but I mean, that's how people think. I, I was running the other day. Running, mind you, running. You know, it takes about that long to pass someone. And someone was coming towards me. And, and here's the trail. They got way over here. I wanted to go easy. Oh, don't hurt yourself. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making light of it. I, I'm just saying that, that that's how people are thinking about the season that we're in. It makes no difference to me. Listen, listen. 
People say, oh, this, listen, I got masks in the car. You know, I got, they're available. I don't wear them everywhere I go, but if I need to, I'll put it on. That, that does not mean you don't have faith. Just because you wear a mask doesn't mean you don't have faith. Just because you don't doesn't mean you do. And there are people who say, well, I got faith. I'm not doing that. Well, you just showed, you just showed your true colors. Is, it, is there anybody in here that since you heard the word of faith message and learned that God wants to heal you, is there anybody on the sound of my voice you've never taken an aspirin? No. Does that mean you don't have faith? No. Matter of fact, the aspirin might have healed your headache, made it easier to believe God. Right? Charles Capps always used to say, you need to take the medicine and believe God and confess that it's going to work to its optimum ability in your body. We are kept by the power of God from every virus and germ and disease and deadly thing. We are kept. But you're not kept because you don't wear something or you don't sanitize your hands. You're kept because the Word says you're kept. Keep your focus. While you're washing your hands, you're kept. While you put on the mask, you're kept. While you sanitize, you're kept. That's your focus. Amen. You better stand up. I'll start preaching again.